this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. This week's show is going to be even more uncommon than usual, as we've got some special guests that I'll introduce here in just a moment. For those of you who've been following along with our discipleship mini-series, that's going to pick up again next week as we sit down with Steve and talk about how to practically make disciples. You're not going to want to miss that discussion, so make sure you are subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you can find quality podcasts. And now it's time to introduce our guests for this week's episode. Today I have the pleasure of being joined in studio by none other than Duncan and Kate Smith. Duncan and Kate Smith are revivalists who carry the fire of God's love and power all over the world. Originally from the UK, they are also presidents of Catch the Fire World, a global network of revival churches, missions and ministries birthed out of the Toronto Airport Revival. They planted CTF Rally, that's Catch the Fire Rally, with their three beautiful daughters. They're here visiting some old friends and making some new ones, and basically just seeing what it is the Father's House Church does here in Oroville and, and some of the outreaches and ministries we're involved in. They were also gracious enough to jump into our School of Transformation class as guest lecturers, which was an awesome experience. They were able to carve out some time in their really busy schedule to sit down and have a conversation with us on the podcast, and we're very glad they're here. They're going to share with us a little bit of their journey of faith and how they came to be in North Carolina all the way from the UK. I'm also excited to hear what their perspective on the North American church is, having seen churches all over the world. So we're going to ask them a little bit about that. And finally, we're going to get some really good outsider perspective on the work being done here at the Father's House Church. So settle in and join us as we continue to search after the uncommon truth. So I'm here joined by some super special guests. I've got Duncan and Kate Smith all the way from North Carolina. North Carolina, right? That's right. Hi, guys. Yes, hi there. So, Duncan, how do you guys come to Raleigh? You you don't exactly sound like you're from the Carolinas. You don't think so? Not not quite. <laughs> well, Kate and I are both English. Okay. And um, we both have British parents as ancestors. Uh, all our ancestors are British. My mum and dad um, were missionaries in Nigeria. So I was born in Nigeria in West Africa and lived there for 18 years called that home and um but uh kate and i uh married in 1991 which seems an awful long time ago (laughs) 28 years ago coming up this august and uh, kate was born in england and i was actually born in nigeria my parents british parents were missionaries for 20 years in nigeria and so uh in some respects i'm a black man in a white skin (laughs) yeah um I, I speak fluent Hausa, which is the, the language of northern Nigeria. No way. Awesome. It's a, it's, it's a fun thing, and, and I certainly enjoy going on uh, to some of the most unreached people groups in Niger Republic uh, cool. or Niger and northern Nigeria. What did you just tell us there? I just said I can speak Hausa fluently. That's all I said. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, but then, uh, you know, when... When my parents went back to England, um, I met Kate uh, after university, and uh, we both had been at university. Kate was an occupational therapist, and I was. Um, we both really wanted to go on on the mission field, and um, 
the Lord took us on a bit of a convoluted journey. Um, we went to Bible college. Uh, well, first of all, I was a police officer for three years, and then we both went off to Bible college, uh, which was like a school of ministry. And uh, and so we were really wanting to go into ministry, and then the door opened for me to go and be a, uh, an evangelist doing large-scale campaigns, crusades, you know, with several tens of thousands of people. Wow. And uh, so I did that, and then the Lord asked me to lay down my calling after one of the trips that I went on to Ghana, working for another big evangelist. And I, I prayed for a month asking God to change his mind because it was my dream job. I was 26 years old, 27 years old, preaching to gigantic crowds of people and seeing the Lord do the most extraordinary miracles. And, uh, but Kate and I prayed about it for a month, and we really felt like the Lord was asking us just to lay down our calling. So we ended up going... And I ended up working for my family farm, um, did a master's in business management as all part of that. Okay. And uh, thought that I would be working uh, on the farm for the rest of my life. But three years later, already all trained up and ready to go and, you know, had had, had a master's in business management, was ready to um, be an entrepreneur. Uh, my family decided that actually they really felt like um, I was actually... Uh, a preacher and that that you know that that was what God was calling me to do Kate and I were like no that is not what God's calling mm. us to we've asked you know the Lord's asked us to die to that but anyway there was no persuading them they really felt like it was the Lord and looking back it really was the Lord God bless them for that but it really it really sort of kind of broke our hearts at that time and we ended up going to Toronto because we'd heard about this incredible move of God in Toronto uh, that had happened in 94 this was now 99 2000 okay. and we heard about this and many of our friends had been over and they just got wrecked and they were so transformed and i had read one of uh, john and carol's books called the importance of forgiveness and uh, and so we ended up going over to toronto to toronto for our first conference and i'll let kate tell what happened then yes yeah, so we we were hungry for God. We were in a crossroads in our life. We knew we were called to the nations, but we didn't somehow feel it was going to be in the same way that Duncan's mm. parents had gone and they'd studied for three years and then they went for 20 years to one place. We really felt there were nations. But I think we were more inclined to think that we were probably going to be in a developing nation. Okay. And, but our desire to go to Toronto was really because we were in a place of needing some refreshment from the Lord and and seeking him about his will for our lives. So mm -hmm. we thought, well, we'll go. And if he provides and sovereignly, he prov somebody gave us a gift and said, we want you to have this. And we'd been asking the Lord, if you want us to go, just give us the air ticket, another air yeah. ticket. And it was the exact amount we'd asked for. So we ended up going and just like basking in this environment of revival. And during that time, we just got absolutely just wrecked by the Holy Spirit in a good way. We just felt like we... we we were under the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, if, if you've never had that, it's, it's like a life changing. It's like you feel this liquid love from heaven just come on you, like the power wow. of the Holy Spirit coming into your, to your being, into your body, and your body's responding to the presence of God. And um, we just wa thought, wow, what is this? We've never mm -hmm. seen this before. And, and yet we were intrigued by it. And we... Um, we were at this small conference on church planting 
And in our hearts, we had sort of secretly desired that we would church plant one day, but we just never felt we had anything to offer. Yeah. You know, you feel all those feelings of inadequacy. Um, and during our time after this conference, we actually were invited to meet um, Pastor John Arnott, um, who was the leader of this outpouring in Toronto. And he asked us the story of our life and we told him, we told him the ups and downs and that we felt we were called to the nations, but we didn't know how. And he basically, out of the blue for us, offered Duncan a job to work in his team. And we were like blown away with that. Wow. So, um, Tell them why the Lord yeah. had spoken to him. Yeah, because the Lord had said to him, I'm going to send you a tall Englishman <laughs> who's going to be your first executive director to help you organize and, and like run the ministry. Wow, and there's and the, that master of the business, saw, right? Exactly. He saw right. us across the room and wondered who we were. And he said, that's that's the one I've, I've called you. So we didn't know this until we arrived in Toronto several months later, but the Lord took, took that that whole us being willing to go and then the invitation to come we sold our house and we moved over to Canada um, within three months with our three little girls yeah it was a big deal emigrating yeah. to a different nation yeah and I know all about moving that. across the pond yep. exactly it, and it's different you know culture's different and we thought we arrived in Toronto and God kind of gave us incredible favor we were working closely with um, John and Carolina and the team. And, you know, the Lord blessed Duncan and gave him wisdom to know how to navigate some changing circumstances there. Um, and and John kind of really poured into us as a couple and, and developed us, discipled us, gave us opportunity. They were like a mom and dad to us in Great. the spirit. And um, we just bloomed and blossomed. We just never had leaders that loved us as well as they did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, in an environment of love, people can really thrive. And we just felt loved by God and we felt loved by them and the team around us. And, and we thrived and God began to do some special things in, in the ministry there. And little did we know, a few years later, we thought we were staying there. The Lord said, okay, it's time. It's time for that church plant. Mm. And, um, yeah, I'll let Duncan tell a bit more of that story. In four years into arriving in Toronto, things were going incredibly well. Kate and I thought we were going to be there for the rest of our lives. And I had started traveling. John had asked me to go to the nations, and I was doing that, although we were also working, you know, as the executive director. And Kate and I had started working in as a night job because John is one of those people that always has an amazing dream for your life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually, I say that tongue in cheek, but you know, he's often absolutely right. He's just got this amazing way of, of pushing you into all the fullness of what God's hmm. really got for you type of thing in a helpful way, helping you to realize that. And so Kate and I started working with the youth and young adults as a kind of like a night job. And we started off with just a few kids and, Five years later, they, it turned into a movement, basically, with, um, you know, four to five hundred uh, young adults. And we planted three young adult congregations in Toronto. Um, and uh, we just had the most amazing time. And so we, 
we really began to get passionate about local church in a really kind of deep way. And um, in 2004, I just got back from Bangladesh where I'd been doing a a mission and flew straight from there to Raleigh, North Carolina. Hmm. And um, I'd been invited by some friends to preach there and I just squeezed it in, you know, into my calendar. And uh, I stepped off the airplane or I rather, I should say, I stepped into the car from the airport, and as we were driving to the hotel, I'm looking around, and I can't see anything except trees. It's like a gigantic forest. And even as we were flying in, there was just this gigantic forest. I couldn't see you. I'm like, where are all... How can there be... How can this be the capital city of yeah. North Carolina? It's just trees everywhere. Yeah. And uh, as I'm driving along, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to go. I want, I want you to come here one day and plant your first church and I'm like what you have to be kidding me why would you ever want a church in the middle of a bunch of trees yeah and um, of course over the weekend I found out that there's all these famous universities Duke University UNC Mm -hmm. Chapel Hill yeah North Carolina State University plus a lot of Silicon Valley's headquarters are right there IBM's headquarters are right there I mean it's it's called the Research Triangle Center. There's a gigantic medical thing. And I realized, okay, now I understand it. There's, the place is packed with young adults and young people. And uh, some of the you know, future great influence of the influences of the nation. And, and so I got back and the Lord confirmed over three years. Uh, and by the way, I would say you know, to anyone listening that planting a church is no small thing right yeah and and it's actually not a bad thing to take some time before you rush into it Mm -hmm. and uh, and so it took uh, another three years before we were ready and our environment in toronto was ready and our senior pastors john and carolina were ready but when the moment came in 2007 they agreed to sending us down to raleigh by that time, the Lord had put into our hearts not just planting a church, but planting a church planting church. Okay. And that we would start a movement and that we were to call it Catch the Fire World. And we would plant churches wherever anybody in our movement or anybody growing up in our movement would ever want to go and start a new church. We would name it after the city that they planted it in. And so um, <clears throat> we moved to Raleigh, North Carolina in 2008, September, and I'll let Kate uh, pick the story up. So basically, you say people ask us, why Raleigh? And we're like, we don't know why Raleigh, but somehow the Holy Spirit knew yeah. that Raleigh was the place to be. And it's a capital city. It's very significant on the East Coast. It's got a history of revival. Um, it was that that region around Raleigh was seen as the east coast of Azusa Street revival. Mm. And so there's um, many prophetic words about what God really had purposed for Raleigh. We thought we were going to plant a church that would one day plant other churches. We didn't realize that God had a purpose and that the, there had been revival in the land and there'd been revival prophesied. And, you know, um, we've realized that 
that God's hand is on the city and on the people of Raleigh, Durham, where we're based. And um, we've come to love our city and feel absolutely privileged that God has placed us there, not only to to um, have a church community that he's blessed, but really how do we begin to impact and reach the cities that, that are there? And how do we empower people in our uh, church congregation to be people that are not only personally in, transformed by God's presence, but become transformers in everything that they're doing. Wow. So that's what we've been doing for 11 years. And um, since then, we've um, planted through our teams different churches around the world. And we're now, <laughs> by the grace of God, um, 32 churches wow. and a global church planting movement. My sister-in-law would tell me uh, back in back in Winnipeg, she'd she'd go to like, oh, I'm going to church, my church in the city. I didn't realize that was Catch the Fire Winnipeg. So that's really cool. Wow, that's exciting. Uh, I'd because uh, I'm kind of from a, I guess a different stream of of Christianity, right? The uh, I I was raised up at, from as a teenager in the, a Baptist church, a little seventy person Baptist church, mm-hmm. from you know toddlers to to the geezers, you know, there's 70 of us. It was, it was a little place. And then, um, I, I went through all the, a bunch of different churches when I was in college, just in different places. And, uh, and then ending up getting married into the Mennonite church in, in the middle of nowhere in Canada. And, uh, so this is all, it was, it was kind of new to me coming here and seeing this expression of Christianity, and and I really have a lot of appreciation with where I came from, and and all the knowledge of God that I gained in in those times, and it's also been amazing to see how how God has been moving in this place and in places like Catch the Fire and all these thirty two different places, and it's cool to realize I actually know quite a few people and just uh, have bumped into them, and they they were inspired or. I took their cues from meeting you guys at some point or their fruit of, of knowing you guys. So that's pretty cool. Hmm. So, so since you, you guys are called catch the fire world, I would, I would guess you have a pretty good pulse on what the big C Christian church is. The body of Christ is what that it's going like in the rest of the world. Hmm. So what, what is the, the church doing? What's, what's the status of the worldwide church? If, if it's like a health, you know, like yes. a health check or if it's going for a checkup, how's the body of Christ doing? Well, it's interesting because there are stats, certainly in North America, that there are declining churches all over the place. Right. But actually that there is a, a desperate need for more churches to be planted because I think every generation has um, in them a desire to have a church expression that is um, current, mm-hmm. that... Um, it will reach the people and the way that we do life now is so much online it's global um, and young people have got the world at their fingertips so just being able to reach young people these days we have to have a different approach it's the same message of the gospel of jesus christ but how do people access and how do people connect in community yeah and so we're seeing across our churches that there is a hunger and a desperation for the gospel for people in their hearts to know a god that that he's all powerful that mm-hmm. he actually wants to break into their lives supernaturally 
And uh, we are see, hearing testimonies from our churches where just being able to share the love of God is just so easy and that miracles are happening. People are coming to faith in Jesus when the gospel's been presented, when they've they've come face to face with somebody that knows God in a real way. Yeah. And, you know, um, there are many prophecies about just a, a gathering of a billion soul harvest that... Um, was prophesied years ago by Bob Jones. And it's almost like people's hearts are ready. They they want some good news. Mm. You know, the world doesn't really offer good news. The media doesn't present good news. Politics doesn't present g- good news. But people are desperate for their lives to be transformed, for, for their hearts to be free, for their families to be free, you know? And, and so we're just hearing testimonies of how ripe it is really for the church now to to take its place not as that judgmental religious establishment but loving people that represent the true nature of god's love so Mm -hmm. that's what we're hearing and seeing yeah and i think that there's a move and understandable understandably so there's a move in which people are saying we don't want to be involved in organized religion um, and I understand that in the sense, in one sense, because uh, I came from a very traditional background myself. And if, and if there's, um, if there's what I call churchianity, hmm. aka an environment where through our works we will gain the pleasure of God, as opposed to we've gained the pleasure of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, our works. flow out of a revelation of that then uh church becomes a very can become very stale very routine very very much the absence of god but with a strong emphasis on what we do or what we don't do right and uh and it's very easy for us to fall into a pseudo judeo christeo law version of of the law uh rather than walking in christ and experiencing the person and the presence of the holy spirit and walking in daddy's love, mm. knowing that our heavenly daddy loves us like crazy. When we walk in a revelation of the Father's love, out of experiencing the Father's love in Christ Jesus, we desire community with one another because love's always on the move. And the love of God flowing into us, with which we know his love and we love ourselves, now we want to love others. And it's the most natural thing to want to be in community and to love others. So what we're finding is that people that are not wanting to be, people that are moving away from church because it's organized, are rediscovering what church can look like if it's centered around community and experiencing Mm. the love of God and the person of God, encountering his transforming presence and seeing God move in incredible power, not just to them and touching them, but also through them as they learn to minister yeah, in the power of the yeah. Holy Spirit. I think that was that was our experience of was it? what drew drew us to the Father's house was uh was this desire for community. We had we had a good community and we just wanted more and more. Right. We we're sort of in the middle of nowhere where uh I mean, all, we ran a summer camp, and all good summer camps are sort of in the middle of nowhere because you want to bring kids out of the city and out of the cell phone range and, and get yeah. them in touch with 
being able to see the stars. We we got to show kids the Milky or the Milky Way and the Northern Lights at night, which wow. were which were amazing. And it's a great way to open doors for kids. And you see, like, look who created that for us tonight. That's amazing. But the the other side of that was there's not a whole lot of people out there to have community with, and we right. were driving 45 minutes to church, so you're not you're not driving like here some of the other pastors and team members will just walk next door because we all live within like three blocks of each other here right you know there's there's everything from hey can i borrow some sugar to can you watch my kids for an hour because i just need some time to myself with my my wife or all the way to like let's let's just do life every single day together right and Mm -hmm. that's what was a huge piece that i mean i'm my wife is young i'm not as young but you know we're still sort of young people and we really desired that so is there anything that the that the north american church could learn from the church the the christian body of christ outside of north america we've got a lot of listeners in canada and and around the the us and i'm impressed by the the church outside of of the us and i want to know what you guys think we could learn from them well, I've been to 75 nations in my life. I've wow. had the privilege of being Masking the right guy. 75 nations. And what I would say is that in the developed world, we've lost our ability to enjoy the pleasure of time and relationships. Hmm. And we've gone after our version of the American dream is possessions more possessions, more money. Yeah. If you were to apply the American dream to the Fulani church, for example, in in northern Nigeria or in um, Niger, if they were to say, "What's the what's the American dream?" If they were, you know, if you were to take their paradigm, they would say, "Oh, the American dream is to have more time with each other mm. and to have more friendship." to know one another's hearts, to, uh, to just slow down and to know and experience God, to experience him in the midst of creation, to experience the voice of the Lord when you stop and notice the songbird that's singing when you walk out of your front door and, and to enjoy an, an experience with the Holy Spirit on account of that or seeing an eagle soaring in the sky. The Fulani people, they take time to notice those details. It takes them 20 minutes to finish greeting each other. Wow. You know, let alone sitting down yeah. around the fire and sharing their hearts with yeah. each other. I think that most, Meals together m- most so Americans on. in church dread that dre- greeting time so much, right? Like, they yeah. see memes on on Instagram about that, like, <laughs> oh no, the greeting time, we have to shake hands. And, and yet that's that's such a vital part of community is we're, we're, being together sorry to interrupt you i didn't mean that we're we're so self-absorbed right we're we're absorbed with what can i get whereas for the for many of the un, you know the less well-developed nations it's it's not about what i can get so much it's about how can i give as well as receive in the midst of mm-hmm. community the thing that I've noticed just coming from England is I grew up in the north of England where people walked across the street and talked to each other and came into each other's home for a, 
a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or a meal. And we were very much exposed with our families. Our parents were all hospitable. On um, you know, Sunday afternoon they'd they'd invite families over to their home and we found it very strange, actually um particularly different in Raleigh because it was a city I don't know and it was it was the Carolinas just a different culture people would meet each other but it was always at a restaurant or a coffee shop it very rarely did did people feel comfortable to invite you into their homes Mm -hmm. and so that's been um an incredible challenge and then you know we've traveled to some Latin American cultures and they very much do that they very often community takes place over meals. Yeah. And so we've had to just really intentionally kind of model and, and train our teams to actually engage, not just with a greeting, but can we invite you to our home or can we invite you out so that we can sit and have a meal together? And one of my favorite things to do is to go to church parties because I know I'm going to get a captive audience of people from the church community that I've not had time to, to, to greet and spend time with on a Sunday morning during a busy service. Um, because really community takes place outside the four walls of that meeting it's in homes it's in schools and it's actually allowing ourselves to be known by others Mm -hmm. and I think there's actually a lot of lonely people in American churches right now I think you're right because they there's there's also an inadequacy that if I invite you to my home you'll see that it is not very special or I'm not really living the dream or my yeah I don't cook very well or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas other cultures, it's not about that. It's about the experience of being together. So that that's a, a biggie, I think, that yeah. God wants to restore that real sense of what family looks like. That, you know, we're part of a, a heavenly family. And, yeah. you know, the kingdom on earth looks like family. It's not just a, it's not a factory it's not just an organization. It's actually a living, breathing family that God actually wants to show us what it's like to be his children, his sons and daughters living together with him as our father. Mm. And um, I think that's one of the biggest opportunities right now for the North American church. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are desiring that, but also probably a little bit afraid of that, right? I know that for, for us was the case of we want we want community but community requires vulnerability right and so i i see that in a lot of a lot of north americans because canada is a lot like that too where uh we desire that the power of having a community all together worshiping god together and and bearing each other's burdens and and we get a little bit of cognitive dissonance because we see that in the bible and we read that that's how you, that's how you'll know that that you're experiencing God together is because you're you have everything together. You're relying on people, and I think a lot of us say that. Oh yeah, that's how my church is. But I think a lot of us across North America, a lot of us listening, are, are probably a, like, "Wow, I'm not really sure I'm experiencing that." And that was that was one of the things that it took us three visits to come here to Oroville before we realized, okay, that's not just them putting on a show while we're here. 
the first time we came for a wedding and we got to see it, but that was a wedding. So let's come back. And then we, we saw them during an event, put, put on a, a big mud run and wow, that was awesome. They still took time to be together and they still loved each other after working, you know, 18 hours a day together for, for a week. And then we brought our daughter and, and did like family life. And uh, I think tonight we're, we've got invited to bring our girls over to somebody's swimming pool because it's one of the little kids' birthdays and, you know, why not? It just, it's just such so a, awesome. it's so good. So you guys have a little bit of a chance, uh, to fly around Orville and, and see the father's house. What do you guys, what stood out to you guys? Oh, we're, we're just amazed. It's an amazing ministry. And, um, I think what I love so much is there's so much happening, so many initiatives. And that tells me that there's a culture of of training discipleship but then mm. and equipping but then releasing yeah and it strikes me that uh, you know and there's such a breadth of different things whether you know it's running a, a clothing store or whether it's running a gym or whether it's yeah the recovery program yes mm. exactly with with addicts and um, ex addicts and so on, and there's just there's just so many initiatives right. that we've been you know shown today in the mud run and everything else. You just realize as you're sitting there, there's no way Steve and Vicky can do all of those things, <laughs> right? So they're not doing all of those things, and yet of course they're involved in all of those things. That means that there's the next you know team around them, they're executive, but then you're like, but there's way too much going on for their executive to be doing all of that. So then, okay, well, then there's the next, you know, the next group around them is 23 pastors. But wait a minute, there's way too much for 23 pastors even to be doing it. Yeah. And of course, the local church and all of that. Even this podcast is an example yeah. of, of the very thing I'm talking about. So what, I, what I've realized, the biggest thing that I'm most impressed with is the culture that Steve and Vicky have established here that allows the right people, and I'm careful to say the right people, in other words, people that make the right choices, that embrace the, um, you know, the the environment that's on offer, you know, the discipleship, <coughs> excuse me, discipleship programs, the, you know, community, church life, uh, etc., um, recovery programs. Everybody and anybody has the opportunity if they make those right choices to grow in Christ Jesus, mm -hmm. in their discipleship and become people that are actually now capable of identifying and get plugged and getting plugged into heaven's blueprints for their lives and then coming and being able to communicate those blueprints with their leaders in such a way that their leaders are able to say you know what that's the lord and i really recognize that let's help you Let, let's get behind you but let's empower you to to fulfill this dream yeah. that you've got and and that is a very special environment. And as a result of that, you've got this multiplicity of people doing amazing things that is accomplishing overall so yeah. much more as a ministry than most ministries ever get accomplished. Right. We've got this saying that healthy things grow. Hmm. And I see a lot of health here. There's health running through every program every opportunity every business opportunity and i i see the creativity of god being expressed through entrepreneurship and opportunity for people to um, believe god 
for resources and um, land and buildings and mm -hmm. you know that whole faith dynamic it it makes you come away feeling like wow they have made a difference here in this city of Oroville um, a city that was neglected it was an old gold rush city and people people left it was one of those cities that people escaped from yeah. and and to see that God's heart for this and calling for this city is still here and that you know Stephen Vicky and the Father's ha House Ministry and all the layers of leaders that Duncan was talking about have been partnering with God to believe for impossible dreams mm -hmm. but not just for themselves but to be a blessing to the community yeah. and to demonstrate the Father's great love for this community and you know not necessarily overtly preaching the gospel with words but by a demonstration of love and grace and um you know family. they and yeah and healthy family and they are you know i can see that this ministry is known in the community as a light for the gospel and um, that's inspiring as a, a a leader of a church and a leader of a movement that there are some principles of transformation that are working really well that we can learn from and we've we've known Steve and Vicky for nearly 19 years and and we've watched from afar what God's been doing and so to have the opportunity to be here and um, we had a team that came over recently and we've had other members of staff that have visited and um, just to see that partnership and to see that, you know, when God gives you an impossible dream, it's because he wants to do that. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's more than just ourselves. It's because he wants to bring the culture of heaven mm -hmm. onto earth. And that's really inspiring for me. Great. Well, that's so good to hear. And uh, it, it echoes so much of what we saw when we visited our, our few times before we pulled the trigger and actually moved out here. And it's it's cool to see it's cool to see it happening on on your side of the coast, too. And knowing uh, sometimes we feel as Christians, we're doing so much in our own little spheres in our communities. We feel like, oh, we're alone. But being reminded that there are people doing the same thing, pouring out love, serving, uh, serving sacrificially in their communities it's it's hopeful and it's really i think we need to do that remind ourselves that yeah we're part of a a local church but we're all part of the big church yeah big c church family. right we're yes. the body of christ we're all working together and um so so i wanted to ask you guys how did how do people get involved with you guys get connected with you guys is there any information websites or anything you want to share with our listeners we're going to post it all in the in the show notes but Anything you want to let people know about that's going on in Raleigh or anywhere else? We have a school of revival, which is okay. a one-year or two-year school, very dynamic school. We have our actual uh, church website itself, ctfraleigh.com. And uh, the church now is about 650 people on a Sunday morning, actually physically in the room. So it's a very um, dynamic experience and we're finding that people are moving from all over america because the holy spirit's speaking to them and they're wow. moving and whole families are coming just to uh just be immersed in the culture and the church and experience god uh, we have uh, an outreach that's much less 
developed, thank you, Dal, that's a great word, much less developed uh, than the outreach here with the recovery program and all and, and, and the and transformation um, here in Southside in Oroville. Um, but we have an outreach into Durham that's led by Justin and Kelly. Right, and Justin was on the podcast. He, he right. mentioned some of that, so that's yeah. cool. Embrace that's Durham, great. and they are just amazing, and they're doing incredibly well. And, of course, you know anybody who's in the North Carolina area and would like to come over and get involved in that, that's just awesome. And, of course, uh, then we have Catch Fire Music, some of our global Catch Fire World initiatives, and we have an album called Presence, which mm. is doing really, really well. And it's a phenomenal, phenomenal experience, worship experience. Uh, again, the anointing is just so thick, and the musicianship's amazing. So uh, that that's that's something that you can download from iTunes. Uh, okay. Called Presence, Catch the Fire Music. We're about to uh, have a, a big conference in November. That's going to be a very, very, a very special time. We're going to do another album then. That's going to be called Encounter. John and Carol are coming to the conference. Uh, Ken and Lois Scott from the UK, they're revivalists from the UK, they're coming for the conference. And also uh, Michael and Jessica Koulianis are coming. And it's November 7th to 9th, so that will be an Great. amazing, amazing conference. We'll make sure to link to all that stuff. Yeah, and, thank you. And yep, uh, so awesome. people people listening all over all over the world can get in touch with you guys. Uh, I've really... I've really had the pleasure of getting to know you guys. I feel like I know you guys really well in oh. 24 hours, right? But yes, thank um, you. Likewise. Even the greeting, even the greeting at church yesterday was a real heartfelt greeting. So, um, I appreciate your time and thanks for spending some time in, in our side of the country. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, thank Max. You, Max. Yeah. We're so glad to be here with you today. That's it for The Uncommon Truth this week. Thank you so much for joining us. In just a second, I'll tell you how you can get connected with Duncan and Kate and Catch the Fire Raleigh. But before we get there, I'd like to invite any new listeners to subscribe to the show, check out our back catalog of episodes, and if you like what you hear, leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts at. If this is your first time listening, maybe you were here to catch Duncan and Kate's interview These are the sort of conversations we love to have on The Uncommon Truth, so you can expect a lot more of this content in the future. So keep checking us out. Next week, we'll be continuing our discussion on discipleship, and we'll be moving on to talk about how do we actually make disciples. It's crossed my mind recently that if it took Jesus three years with just 12 guys to create disciples who had their lives changed, Why do we in the North American church think we can accomplish discipleship surrounded by hundreds of other people for 90 minutes every Sunday? So that's a little preview of what Steve and I will be talking about next week. Between now and then, you can check out the show notes below the episode for ways to connect with Catch the Fire Rally, as well as more information about the Father's House Church, our Life Recovery Ministries, our School of Transformation, our Project 61 Short-Term Missions, all of that good stuff, as well as our sermon videos, where to get Steve's books on Amazon, and how to connect with us on social media. So thank you so much for joining us, and until next week, this has been The Uncommon Truth.